Good morning, church. We're thrilled you're here. For those of you who are on the live stream, thank you for being a part of our service this morning. I hope you were able to share communion at home with us. It's kind of different to do that. I've done something similar to that in other places and settings. I appreciate it. The difference and the change is a little bit refreshing, just to be honest with you. It's kind of nice to do something different. Um, The world is in a state of flux right now, yes? Isn't it exciting? I'm even in a state of flux. I don't know if I'm supposed to come back next week because we're not having lunch. What's that all about? Does that mean I can't resign? I mean, what's this, you know, what am I supposed to do now? Come back another week, three months from now? And ha- I'm being facetious. Hope you guys know that. Yeah, Lynn and I are transitioning over to Menifee. We're trying to learn how to live in the, high, in the low desert, high desert, whatever they call that inland empire out there. It's been kind of fun getting acclimated to that, but we're thrilled to be back with you today. We'll be back again next week to spend some time with you on Sunday morning, share another message with you. So just happy to have you. I just have to tell you, though, this thing didn't exactly work out the way that I had envisioned it to work out, the transition. You know, I remember back in, I think it was like the first or second Sunday in January, I made a comment about we're going to look for another preacher and it's not going to be me, and then I didn't show up for like five or six weeks. It wasn't supposed to be like that. It really wasn't. But sometime last year, when I was still serving with the eldership here, we decided that we wanted Aaron to preach a series of sermons because we just wanted to give him the experience of preaching week after week after week, and I think... From everything that I've heard, he did a phenomenal job, and I appreciate him doing that. Uh, But my travel schedule with work got crazy, and I ended up having to be out of town a little more than I thought I was going to be. And so here we are. And I'm excited to be here with you guys today. I thank you for the opportunity to come and spend a Sunday or two with you. And uh, we're going to share some things with you that I hope will be beneficial to you. Now, I have to tell you something. I'm just going to warn you right now. You can set your watches in just a minute to 28 minutes. Because I'm going to preach 28 minutes today. Almost exactly. And I'm telling you that because a couple of, about three or four weeks ago, um, through some context that I'd made over in Temecula and Murrieta area, I was invited to uh, present a sermon every Sunday morning on the radio. There's a radio station there. It's a Christian radio station, 102.5 FM, The Vine, 102.5 The Vine. Um, So every morning, Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, I'm on the air. I was on the air this morning at 8 o'clock. For those of you who didn't hear it, you should go back, maybe check it out sometime. But every Sunday morning, I'm on the air at 8 o'clock, so, and I pre-record those. So this morning, you are part of the listening audience, the live audience, to a sermon that I'm going to present next Sunday morning. So if you want to hear how it went today, tune in next Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, 102.5 The Vine. Uh, it's pretty fun. It's exciting to do that. It's a little different. I'm just going to tell you, it's a little different speaking to a microphone for 28 minutes than it is speaking to a live audience. Now, you know, some of you who've been around me long enough to know, I can speak longer than 28 minutes. Amen. Yes, yes, I can. Especially when people in the back row who are standing up say amen a few times and and start quoting King James to me and all that. That just gets me off. It gets me excited. So anyway, so anyway, we're going to spend a few minutes with you this morning sharing a message. But I do invite you to check out the radio station. If you really want to hear me preach again after next Sunday, check out the radio station, 8 o'clock Sunday mornings, 102.5 The Vine. You can listen to it online. 1025thevine.org is the website, so go there and check it out. All right, so I want to take a moment, take a deep breath, and we're going to start because I want to make sure that this sermon goes well for you. When I think about how we live and what we do and what life is all about, there are three questions that come to mind. And I want to spend a few minutes this morning talking about those three questions for you. And in some ways, these are huge questions that people spend their whole lives trying to get an answer for. And the reality is there's some people that go to their grave and they really never figured these three questions out. 
But I want to spend a few minutes with you this morning because I think they're powerful questions that all of us should think about and should consider and how we're going to live our lives. Some of you may recall an author who lived several decades ago, passed away, I think, in the 70s, maybe early 80s. There was a guy by the name of Francis Schaeffer, a great Christian theologian, wrote a lot of books. But one of the books that he wrote, one of the last books that he wrote was entitled, How, should we, How Shall We Then Live? Phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, go find it. It's probably on, available on Amazon or somewhere you can find the book. But it was an amazing kind of treatise of how we as believers should live our lives. And there are three questions that I want us to consider this morning because they help us place and center ourselves in how we should live. Those three questions are very simply this. Who am I? Where am I? And why am I here? And all of those can be answered just a little bit differently by all of us individually because we all have our own experiences in life and we have things that have shaped our lives and caused us to think certain ways about things and there are things that we don't think about anymore because of stuff that's happened. But I want us to think about those three questions for just a minute. Who am I? Where am I? And why am I here? So I want to start with that first question, who am I? And depending upon the inflection in one's voice, you can answer that in different ways. And you can even think about the question in different ways, because if I, if I ask the question, who am I? That's kind of like, well, who am I? Like, who am I really? What am I really all about? Who am I? And then I could ask the question this way, who am I? Like, who am I to even ask or think about that? Who am I to even consider the possibilities? Because I'm not worthy. And I don't want to look at it that way so much. I want to look at it really to think about who am I? You know, as we walk through life, we have some important things to think about when it comes to who we really are in this life. You know, there's, there's, an, there's a song the kids sing at youth camps and things like that, and it's kind of taken from a verse of Scripture from, from some of the words of the Apostle Paul. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. You guys know the song, right? And in that song, or in that, that verse of Scripture, it's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. If you remember the whole text of the song, it's no longer me. It's no longer I that live. It's Christ who lives in me. And for those of us who are believers in Christ, I genuinely believe we have to begin from that premise when we ask the question, who am I? Because like it or not, whether you realize it or not, and I hope that you realize and I hope that you'll embrace what I'm about to say, but the hardcore fact of life is when we're a believer, life is not about me. It's not about me. My life is not about just me. We live in a world that's kind of topsy-turvy. It's upside down. The coronavirus has us thinking all kinds of crazy things, and we're doing different things than we've ever done in maybe any of our life experiences. I read just this morning a, a letter from a gal who lives in Wuhan, China. She posted it on Facebook and it talked about the experiences that she and her family are having living there for the last month and all of the things that are going on. And in that story that she posted on Facebook this morning, one of the most amazing things is happening in her life and her family's life. She's getting to know people that she never knew before who live next door to her because they're all having to stay at home and they can't go anywhere. And they're learning how to share again. She was telling a story about someone who had a ham that they were going to share with them and she was going to give them coffee and cranberries in exchange for a ham. And I don't know if that's a good trade or not because I'm thinking I would prefer to have the coffee than the ham. 
But that's just what she was, and it was an amazing story to talk about how the, the lives of people are being changed. And because of this crazy illness and sickness, it's being changed, and they're not looking at just what's life for them. They're beginning to consider how their life is impacting those who are closest to them, who live next door. And, and it's an amazing opportunity that we have now in the midst of all of this chaos. It's an amazing opportunity to really think about, who am I? Because life isn't really just about me. When you and I come into faith and we come into a life that's determined to live for the cause of Christ, we have to change our thinking. We have to turn a switch off and turn another one on. And it has to be, okay, my old life is gone and my new life is here and my new life is in Christ and my new life is about serving others in the name of Jesus. And it has, sometimes it has nothing to do with who I am. And then we come to that next question. Where am I? And you can answer that any number of ways on any given day because for those of us who are moving around in the world, we are always in different kinds of places. I mean, I was supposed to go to Phoenix, Arizona on Tuesday because of the travel things that are going on in the world. I've decided to postpone that trip so I won't be in Arizona. I'll be in Los Angeles. And I don't know which is the lesser of two evils. But I'll be in one of those places. Not Arizona, I'll be in Los Angeles on Tuesday. And you and I have to make choices sometimes about where am I. But, but I don't want to talk about just the physical location of where am I. As important and powerful as that may be at times, because you know as well as I do, there are some places we probably shouldn't be, and there are some places that we probably shouldn't go. Yes? But the reality is, I want you to think about this with me. Where am I? In my walk with God, in my walk with Christ, in my walk with my brothers and sisters in the faith and those who are around me who are not in the faith, where am I? We have to think with the mind of Christ. We are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And that glory comes from the Father. That glory comes from the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious Lord. And we live in that glory. And so wherever it is that we happen to be physically in any location on any given day of this week, we have to stop for just a moment and think, okay, I'm here, I'm here. I remember my brother George Chiotti from, from West Africa would call me on the phone all the time. He said, Bishop, I'm here. And he could be in London. It's not just where we are, but where am I? And it matters how we think about that because when we think about how we're interacting with those around us, when we're interacting with people all around us, especially in this world and all the things that are happening today, we have to be so sensitive and aware of where am I? Because if we are anywhere without trying to reflect the glory of God, why are we there? Why did we even go there? If God wasn't a part of the journey, if God wasn't a part of the conversation, if God isn't a part of whatever it is and wherever we are, <clears throat> why are we there? And then it brings me to this third question. Why am I here? So many times, people go through all of their lives trying to figure out 
Why am I here? I was having a conversation recently with a friend of mine. He was struggling with some decisions and conversation in his heart and in his mind about where he should work and what kind of work he could do and, and, and where he should go next in his career. And he was trying to figure it out. And, and the, the funny part about this conversation is this guy was 68 years old. Now, that may not be interesting to you, but it's interesting to me because I'm closer to 68 than I used to be. And there are some days I'm still trying to figure out why am I here. But, but in the scope of the work of the world, in the, in the scope of our vocations, I'm not sure God really cares where you work. I'm not sure God cares what kind of employment you have. I'm not even sure God really cares too much about where you live. But he is very concerned about why you are wherever you are. With all of my heart, I believe that God has called us to be a people who understand what it means to be people of service to others. And whether you're a school teacher, who's on vacation for three weeks, by the way, or whether you are a person who works in a service station, which are called 7-Elevens now, wherever it is that you are, is God with you there? Why am I here is a powerful question. But if all that we focus on is our job, our vocation, our education, our training, how we're going to make a living, how we're going to earn money, how we're going to pay for this and how we're going to pay for that, we can easily miss the real reason about why we are anywhere. Because you see, I believe, and I hope that you believe, that God can work through you to accomplish His mission and His glory and His wonder in the world through you, wherever you are, at any time, if we will just have a presence of mind that I am here. Why I am here is because this is where God needs me to be. And sometimes we don't see that very clearly. And sometimes we get distracted. And we get caught up in the, in the, the necessities of living. And we get caught up in, in the necessities of trying to figure out how we're going to pay the mortgage and how we're going to put food on the table, especially when you go to the grocery stores and there's no food in the aisles. You've been there lately, there's no milk. I went to Barron's, it's a little grocery store over there in Murrieta. I went to Barron's yesterday and they had everything but no eggs. They had no eggs. I went for eggs and broccoli. Don't ask me why I combined those two, but that's what my wife texted me. She said, get eggs and broccoli. I'm being a good husband. They have no eggs. You and I have to be conscious of why we are wherever we are. And if God is not in the middle of us being why we're there, then my question is, why are you there? God needs us to be engaged in the lives of people. That's how his glory is shown in other lives. It comes through us. And that which comes through us will ultimately stick to us. It will be a part of who we are. So we worry about things. <clears throat> and in this time and in this place in our world, we worry about things that are unnecessary to be worried about. Jesus says in Matthew, <coughs> excuse me, verses six, or chapter 6, verses 25 through 33, he says these words. I tell you, don't worry about your life, about what you're going to eat or drink, 
or your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now think about that just a minute. In the world that we live in where the grocery stores are being ripped of everything that they have that's worth taking home to get us through the flu virus. And by the way, this week I bought chicken. I did not buy any toilet paper. I don't, I don't think toilet paper makes a very good meal. I bought chicken. It was on sale. I have enough chicken to last me for probably three or four or five weeks in the freezer. I'm not worried about toilet paper. There are other means and methods. I'm old enough... I'm old enough to remember what a Sears catalog is, and for those of you who are under 20 and you don't even know what a Sears catalog is, ask your grandparents and they'll tell you about that. Amen. Amen. Yes, amen. God wants us not to worry. Even in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on, He wants us to not worry. Because we don't have to. Everything Everything will be provided to us that we need. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? <clears throat> Yesterday afternoon, went up to Big Bear. Went on a little three-and-a-half-mile hike up into the mountain and back out to look at some property I'd never seen, but I bought it. Sight unseen. Let me just tell you, that's not always the smartest thing to do. <laughs> but I did it. And I have two beautiful lots that are very remote. I've been watching one of those shows on Discovery Channel or History Channel or whatever it is, uh, off, building off-grid. Well, let me tell you something. I'm going to get to experience that if I ever build on those lots because, baby, it's way off-grid. Way off-grid. But when I think about the world around us, when I went up there and I looked around at all the beauty of the world... It's amazing. And I almost got to my actual lot and I heard a pack of coyotes and they started howling really loud and it sounded like they were coming down the hill and I'm like, I'm not going to fight them. So I left. But I see the world around us. God has provided for everything. He's provided for everything. Why would you think, even in the midst of a crisis, why would you think He wouldn't provide for you now? He will. He's just calling us to live in a believing trust that he will take care of us because that's his promise. Jesus goes on to say this. Why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field, see how they grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I know that even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't dressed like one of these. <clears throat> that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today. Tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe ye? Oh, ye have little faith. So don't worry. Don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? The pagans run after all of these things. But seek first. Uh, who am I? Where am I? Why am I here? To seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be given to you. Why can't we take God at His word? I mean, this is Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten of God, who is speaking these words. And if I remember correctly, it seems like He said, 
the Father and me, we're one. And I don't say anything unless the Father has told me to say this. So if God is telling us this through the words of Jesus, why can't we believe it? Why can't we live that way? Why can't we live life without worry, even in the midst of whatever crisis may come? So here's my challenge for you. You know, a lot of times we think that our world is just spinning out of control. And we don't know what to do. And we don't know how to help other people. But I want you to think about this with me. John writes the words of Jesus, the thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. But Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So I have a homework assignment for you. What are three or four things that you need? I mean, genuinely. What are three or four things that you need in your world that you feel like you don't have enough of? Maybe it's money. I mean, seriously, there are people in the world right now who are being laid off from work because stores are closing and and offices are closing. I got a text message this morning just as I was driving here that a gal that is working with me had another job and that other job kind of fell apart and she doesn't have anything to do for the next two or three weeks because they closed. What happens if we start thinking just a little bit differently? What happens if we start living like Jesus? The three or four things that you think that you need, that you don't have enough of, that are, that are lacking in your life, what if you wrote those down? <clears throat> what if you focused on those and you thought, Lord, these are the three or four things that I need. And what if, what if you became the source of those things to someone else? Because I think there's a verse in the Bible that goes something like this. Whatever you sow, you shall what? Reap. You shall reap. So here's my encouragement. Here's our challenge to us. When you think about how much that you need of anything, keep that thought in your mind. And let's see how many people you can come across in the next couple of days who need what you think in your mind that you need, but they need it in an even worse way. They need it even more than you do. Like maybe love or compassion. You ever known anyone that kind of needs some love and compassion? Have you ever known anyone that needed just a little bit more grace extended to them than you got? Or maybe just a little bit more mercy? They needed someone to hold on to them and not be judgmental of them and not kick them or throw them under the bus, but to love on them and bring them back? What happens if you and I start thinking and looking at people and considering what Jesus has said? I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. What if the sole purpose of us being anywhere at any time, understanding who we are and why we're there and, and what this is all about, what if our sole purpose became 
I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Why can't we give more to others so that they may be blessed? God has given you everything you need to succeed in this world. He's given you His Son. He's given you grace. He's extended mercy. He's given you a heart that's full of compassion. He's given you, he's given you everything that you need. So you and I have to consider what we're going to give back. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Now, I don't necessarily recommend you say that out loud because people might think you're a little strange or a little weird or they won't understand that. They'll wonder what you're smoking or what you're doing because they don't understand that and they haven't had very many people interact with them this way. But what if you and I just started to consider how we could live in a way that we could bring abundance to someone else's life? And as you go through those experiences... I invite you to consider how your life has changed. Because I think the same person that said, don't worry about what you're going to eat and don't worry about what you're going to wear, don't worry about where you're going to stay, I think that same person said, if you give, you will receive. And I I. I'm pretty sure he even went further than that. I'm pretty sure he said, if you give, it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Am, am I mistaken about that? I don't think so. I, I think that's what the word says. So in a world that is in chaos, and in a world that has lost its way, where do we go? And how do we live life in such a way that you and I can really, really be the living expression and glory of God? When you and I consider the question, who am I? We have to remember that it is Christ who lives in us. It's not us. We have to remember that it's not just about what I need, what I want. It's about us surrendering ourselves to the cross and surrendering ourselves to Christ and then living like He's the one that's living through us to show this glory. Where am I? Wherever you happen to be physically at any time this week, it's not about just being in a place it's about really where am I and why am I here? And while you are there, wherever that may be, can Christ come and be present? And can we share the name of Jesus? Can we share that which we have? Can we bless others? Maybe it's just a cup of coffee. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's even a handshake in a world that doesn't want to shake hands. Where am I? 
I remember when I was in college, seems like 100 years ago, I got, had the opportunity to take Psychology 201. Any of you ever taken that class? It's a phenomenal class. I made a D minus in that class because my beloved professor had some weird idea that you should pass a series of seven core classes and make a 90 plus on those classes just to get a D minus. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. My phone's talking to me. I didn't get that. Can you say it again? No. It was that bad. I'm not going to repeat it. But I recall, I recall distinctly, literally two days before I'm supposed to graduate with my bachelor's degree, I finally get a note from this guy. He says, congratulations, you passed the, the seventh of the core classes. You earned a D minus in the class. I had such anxiety. I had to go to the doctor. I thought I was having a heart attack. It was crazy. But I remember a couple of things about that class that have stayed with me for a very, very long time. One, I never want to take psychology again. But more importantly, more importantly, I remember that learning in that class that one of the most basic human instincts is the instinct for survival. You guys ever heard that? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's one of those basic, I think the dude's name was Maslow's hierarchy or something like that. I think that was his name. Don't ask me to spell it. I don't even know if I pronounced it correctly, but you know what I'm talking about. Survival. And now we're living in a world that is consumed with surviving. But I'm going to tell you, it's not about surviving. He was wrong. He was dead wrong. Because the most basic human fundamental is not surviving. When you walk by the building and the building is on fire and you hear a baby crying, you don't stand there and think about the potential consequences and will I survive if I go in and get the child and then decide, well, the fire is too hot and I'm not going to go in. Let me just turn around and go away because I want to survive. That's survival. But that is not who we are. You and I were not born to be that kind of person. You and I are born to run into the fire because you and I were born in Christ to be the glory of God. And the glory of God doesn't run in fear from anything. The glory of God runs into the fire, into the flames to save. I have come that you may have life and to have it more abundantly. In God's name, may we leave this place today and run into the fire in the name of Jesus to bring the glory of God. There is an amazing need for people in our world to not be afraid. And we need to be those who are not afraid. I will confess, <clears throat> I will confess, if I get the coronavirus and it kills me, my wife will be rich because I have a lot of life insurance. But I'll be with Jesus. And I'm just going to be honest with you. That doesn't scare me. Now, I don't walk around kissing people on the mouth who have the virus, anxiously anticipating receiving it. That's not what I'm talking about. 
But I will not live in fear. I will not live in fear. Because God needs me, and I believe He needs all of us, to be that channel through which He can work in the lives of people. Amen? Danny's going to come and lead us in a song. And as we sing this song, I invite you to consider your life in Christ. If you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you haven't learned to die to yourself and to live in Him and understand who you are in Christ, and it's not about you, it's about Him, then we should talk. I'll be happy to spend a few minutes with you. There are elders here in the church that will talk with you. We just want to spend time with you so you can make that decision. If you are a believer, and for some reason you've wandered away, I invite you to not be afraid. Come back into the fold. Jesus will welcome you. He's never turned his back on you. You're the one that's been running. He hasn't. Would you come back? Let's stand and sing this song and encourage each other. Yes.